This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Power Moves, Ignite Your Confidence and Become a Force. Written and narrated by best-selling author Sarah Jakes Roberts and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Mostly What God Does, Reflections on Seeking and Finding His Love Everywhere. Written and narrated by number one New York Times best-selling author and broadcast journalist Savannah Guthrie. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. You know, as we were just thinking about this one uh, boy to adopt, I was, you know, I was struggling again. So as I was able to talk with this one father that had, had done this and adopted, you know, two boys like this, he, he says, look, he says, Daryl, let me just tell you, you know, everyone will look at you, you, you're thinking this yourself and everything. This is crazy. This is crazy. Whether people say it or not, it's crazy. But here's the response I've I've learned, and I think maybe this will help you too, but it's a good crazy. Mm-hmm. There's, there is a good crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, yeah. That, that just helped me, that helped me to know, okay, because let's just call it what it is. Yeah. <laughs> From Christianity Today, you're listening to Adopting Hope, a podcast about adoptive, foster, and spiritual mothering. I'm Joyce Koo Dowerpole. And I'm Sasha Parker. We're both moms, and we're both adoptive moms. And on each episode of our show, you'll hear from a mom and sometimes a dad about their journey in adoption and foster care. Our hope is that this podcast provides hope and encouragement as you hear these stories. Whether you're an adoptive, foster, or spiritual mother yourself, an adoptee, or someone who just wants to encourage and love adoptive and foster parents. These stories are all windows into the gospel, the story of a God who adopts us and loves us with a redeeming love, and whose love empowers and compels us to extend that love through the unique joys and challenges that come from adoption and foster care. Thanks for tuning in. We pray this encourages you as you listen. And even when our hearts are breaking, even when our souls are shaking, oh, oh, we've got this. Daryl and Kathy Heald have nine kids, five biological and four adopted. They also have an adorable granddaughter. Daryl is Director of Generosity at the McClellan Foundation. He is also the founder of Generosity Path. The desire of this organization is for hearts to be captured by Jesus' teaching that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Kathy is a busy mom, often traveling out of state for the medical care of her children. The value of generosity overflowed into their family life when the Lord called them to adopt. They've been learning about generosity in a deeper and more personal way in their home. We wanted to hear when your heart for adoption began. Was it when you were children or when did you feel the Lord start pricking your heart? Well, definitely was later because we already had, we had five kids at that point. And how old were your um, biological kids at that point? I think by the time we adopted, our youngest was almost five. And there are five kids between 10 years. But it was a good four-year process of... Daryl had traveled a lot with 
um, our older kids, and that was the time when we were homeschooling. So they every year they would go on a couple trips with him a year for his work, and they would travel to these countries that he was working in. And every time they went somewhere, they'd want to visit. Let's go visit an orphanage, or let's go visit some kids, or and he's there for meetings and <coughs> meeting with different organizations. And he said, okay, so he'd contact, find out a place to go and they would, they would just sort of light up. So your children really were the ones who led the way in terms of um, opening your heart up for adoption. They were even at that age, like had that heart. Totally. Kathy, I had never talked about it. Mm. Never talked about adoption. We were, we, we were supporting different work. Uh, I think like Bethany and some things like that, that we were, just giving to that, I, I think, where we, you know, think about the widow and the orphan and, you know, giving to that issue, but it wasn't anything, it wasn't anything personal. Right. And it really wasn't until a few years later that we were coming back from another trip in Asia. And my daughter said, you know, I think God's asking us to adopt. Wow. <laughs> it really shocked me because I was thinking, okay, well, have I not taken you to enough orphanages? Right. Have we not, you know, and visited street kids and mm. all, I mean, just, you know, we had done all these things. Okay. Well, maybe we can, you know, start a new one with your name on it or something. I was, mm. I was thinking I, that really scared me. I mean, like yeah. immediately scared me like, uh, and they were, I think they were 14 and 13 now. And so I did what any good, you know, husband would do to try and deflect it. And I said, you know, we had this long flight back home. I said, well, you know, you got to take this up with your mom. Yeah. <laughs> so Kathy, so what did you say? yeah, what did you say? Well, we had been talking, the girls had been talking about it for a while. So mm -hmm. we had been praying about it and I said, well, dad's not really on board. I think we need to just pray about it. And after a couple years, I, you know, I remember in my quiet time, just writing down, okay, Lord, obviously adoption's not in the works. So you can't do this with one parent in mm -hmm. favor and one and not. It just won't work. And mm -hmm. so um, I'd sort of given that up thinking, well, maybe this is something our kids will do, you know, down the road. Or, so I'd left it at that. And I think it was my birthday. He wanted to take me out to dinner. So we go to dinner and I didn't know what his day had been like before that. And so we sat down to dinner and then you tell what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I would, I, I said to rewind it a little bit, you know, so from that conversation a couple of years earlier of the girls think, you know, believing that the God was asking our family to adopt this thing. The, a big part of what we were trying to do as I was taking my kids with me was we're all about, you know, seeking his kingdom, Matthew mm -hmm. six thirty three, seek first his kingdom. But, you know, I didn't want that to just be some, just a Bible verse. And, and, and you talk about the kingdom in this, um, you know, in a, in just a conceptual form, mm -hmm. but you know, the kingdom is, is like real, right? It's, it's, it's both eternal and in temporal right now. And it's made up of people and places and foods and smells and, you know, just all these things. And so I was thinking as a father, that was part of what I was trying to do was, you know, lead them in, you know, in seeking this piece. Mm -hmm. What I didn't like was when they turned the tables <laughs> on me, right? And they're yeah. like, this is what I think would, when we're seeking the kingdom, I think this is what God's asking our family to do. And I think why it scared me so much was I think I 
I knew intuitively they were right mm. because of the way I, I think, you know, just the way they were saying it, but that really scared me because mm. for me, what I was pressing were just, I mean, maybe the simple way to say it was just all control issues, mm. right? I had, you know, I had my sense of, you know, you can kind of do the math on where you get to empty nest and she, you know, she'd be able to travel with me more or do things, you know, whatever those things are. I have yeah. a lower handicap for my golf game or so, you know, yeah. things that, that were just like, and less chaos, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Already yep. five kids. That's know, a full like, house. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know, so it's all about control, mm-hmm. you know, issues for me. And that's what really scared me. Cause I mean, like, I just was like, we have five. We thought four was a good number. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, God gave us five. I'm like, who, who does who does six? Yeah, you know, who does, two does seven. Does, I mean, oh. th- this whole thing. But one of the plus, they were putting notes on his bed. Oh, it was oh, an yeah. all That's out awesome. campaign, man. Yeah, they were literally putting. It, mm-hmm. And then the other thing they would do is they would sign me up for these uh, groups. Like I would get, hey, Daryl, yeah. welcome to the waiting. Welcome child. to the East adoption group. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, oh, you know, wake into the yeah, yeah. yeah these Yahoo groups. Yeah. Welcome, Daryl. Welcome to the like to the, the kids They're are going smart. On. They're so smart. This is amazing. Um, but obviously, you know, it worked because you did not only go and adopt once, but you went back, you know, several times because you have four adoptive, and many of them have special needs too. Um, so it wasn't. I mean, whatever sense of kind of wanting control and like not having chaos, like God just blew that right open and just like. (laughs) Yeah. I think the part of the the kind of end of the story with where the Mm -hmm. girls had told me that, so this is, you know, years later, but when we were, you know, making the decision, well, and uh, finish the story when I took her to dinner, literally that afternoon, I I mean, it was very clear. God spoke to me and says, go get your daughter. Mm, Wow. And I mean, in a lot of ways at that point, you know, was took a lot of my fear away. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's when I took, took her to dinner and I told her that night she wow. was like, at least, yeah. you know, she I'd already was, given that up. We had moved to <clears> that point. She thought yeah. it was over. But the, the interesting thing is what, when we were, you know, sitting at our dining room table for dinner that night when we'd started and like, okay, we're going to do this. And mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting where the um, the girls kind of told me the rest of the story. They mm-hmm. said, you know, there was one part we didn't tell you. Mm-hmm. This is a couple of years ago on that plane coming back when God told us to adopt. And I because ultimately what happened is then we started all this started the process and everyone was turning us down mm-hmm. because we had children in the home. Mm-hmm. So like we were supporting all these different ministries at this point, but we couldn't like you couldn't, you know, there's no exceptions. Right. Because the different governments. India, China, yeah. and all which down. It wasn't until this one Chinese lady said, "If you know, if you consider special needs." Mm. Oh, I was. It kind of brought up my whole control issues again because, you know, I was like, and and I I don't do medical very well at all. Mm. So I was like, I was imagining, you know, uh, the worst. So as we were processing that with with everyone around the table, they said, "Well, Dad, actually, there was one one part we didn't tell you." Mm. And I said, "What was that?" And they said, "Well, when." When we told you that God wanted us to, we believe God's asking our family to adopt as part of our seeking the kingdom. The part we didn't tell you was that he wanted us to take one that no one else wanted. Oh, wow. That's really beautiful. I love your kids, their passion and just persistence. Mm. So, yeah. So tell us about your first adoption. 
first adoption was in, we started in 06. So that was back in AOL where you dialed up and I couldn't even see the information. They said, well, we have two, two special needs girls that you could look at at this point. They sent us one file at a time and we just said, okay, yeah, we'll go with her. Wow. And so we adopted her in 07. So um, she had cleft lip palate, club feet, and we found out later double hip. You need double hip surgery. Mm. So, so anyway, we started there and I had contacted doctors in town who had told me what they would do. And, um, that was interesting because they said, Oh, you know, we'll definitely just do the surgery for club feed. And I knew cleft lip and palate had certain procedures. Mm -hmm. And then a medical missionary doctor friend of my dad's. I contacted him and he said, wait a minute, I have a friend in Africa that you need to talk to. So I emailed this doctor in Africa and he said, you need to find somebody with in town that does the Ponsetti method. Yes. So I'm searching, you know, what is Ponsetti method? And this doctor Ponsetti shows up and he's wow. 90 at the time and mm. um, University of Iowa and he's still treating mm. kids club feet. So I just emailed him and he wrote me and said, sure, when you get her, bring her up to Iowa. So, I mean, we literally came home from China and when within a week I flew up wow. to um, Iowa city and we went back and forth 15 times oh to do goodness. her club feet. Wow. And then we went back and did double hip surgeries twice wow. there. So, but you know, it was pretty That's amazing. A lot. Uh, have this 92 year old doctor, I think at the time <laughs> reading her and we'd meet doctors from all over the world that he was training and, mm. um, we're very thankful yeah. for the process mm. through the serial casting that he had invented and trained doctors around mm -hmm. the world to do. You know, we have one of our daughters that we brought home from Ethiopia had a club foot as well. And we did the whole Ponsetti method. We had a doctor here in Chicago, but it is a, it's a, a big journey. I mean, every week right. putting on a new long leg cast and then taking it mm -hmm. off so they can take a bath and then going yeah. back to, I mean, wow. Talk about perseverance for all yeah. of you. So did you bring your other kids with you on some of these trips? Were they a part of? Um, yeah. I think twice I brought mm -hmm. the other kids, but for the most part, I'd leave early Monday mm -hmm. morning. And we, at the time, we don't have that flight anymore, but we would leave Chattanooga, fly through Chicago. I would get to Cedar Rapids, rent a car and get to the hospital in Iowa City by 9.30 or 10 mm -hmm. in the morning their time. And then they, we'd soak her in the sink, yes. get the cast off. He would reshape the cast, and we'd be back on a two thirty flight wow. and get home oh that my night. Goodness, you know, one thing that was so interesting, at least for us, with that process, it really kind of helped with bonding. I mean, just Ella and I to be able to have that time together alone. Mm -hmm. And also a lot of, you know, I would take off her cast so she could take a bath at home, but just, there yeah. was a lot of, you know, touching, trying to get the cast yeah. off and she had to trust me to do yeah. that part. And so did you, did you find that that was helpful with bonding? And yeah, one of your um, questions about what, you know, 
what would you tell parents considering adoption? That's the one thing we've had people ask about the medical needs that we've been through. And for some reason, and you may know the answer to this, but when we're in China, the kids never liked me. Mm-hmm. They only wanted to be with Daryl. Mm-hmm. Right? He permanently had someone on his hip the whole time yeah. and um, for all four adoptions. Yeah. So we would get home. And of course, we all knew he was going to work and I was going to be the one that right. we'd be, hey, it's you and me, babe. And we have yeah. to figure this out. And so every time we did jump straight into medical issues that we had a doctor appointment surgeries. We just went and jumped in because when people said, well, you need to let them adjust there, it takes a long time to adjust. And we just found that it helped with the bonding and they were dependent on me. And, you know, it's just the two of us there in the hospital. So yeah, that definitely rang true for us. And all their situations. You do what you have to do and you, you know, God provides, Um, Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely gives the grace because that we said, if anyone would have told us we were going to have nine kids and four special needs, four of them special needs, we would have said, no way. (laughs) We can't do that. And we look back and see the issues that our other kids were going through at the time. Some teenage, real, very real teenage struggles, some, you know, learning disabilities with some my mom having ALS, we had multiple things going on that it didn't make sense necessarily, mm-hmm. but we knew when God was calling us to adopt those at the four times that we did, it's hard to look back and think, how in the world did we do that? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we don't have the, we didn't have, yeah, what capability. we didn't have, we didn't have extra, we didn't think, oh, we have extra capacity. We have extra time. We have extra all these other things, we had no margin. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Five kids, right? We are completely overwhelmed and, and other issues going on. But that's mm-hmm. where the, the truth of God gives grace for the moment. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give it, we don't need it, mm-hmm. but he does provide it, everything you need at that moment. Mm-hmm. But that's where, that's where it's this whole idea of walking by faith and not by sight. Because if you're doing the math, you're never you're like, it. <laughs> like no one does that. No, no, like here's what's gonna happen. And it, because it's, it would be, I think almost impossible to, you know, from a temporal standpoint to, to get your head around that. Mm-hmm. At one point, I think when we were looking at another one of our adoptions and, and a friend just n- not even knowing, he just said, Hey, I talked with this one guy. I think you might want to talk with him for some reason. I think y'all should connect. You know, I took it. I, I called the guy up. We both of us had no idea why we should be talking with yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> but we ended up very quick. I said, I, we were trying to find the common ground. Well, come to find out they've adopted special needs kids. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up developing a, a relationship at that time. And I, in, in a particular, they were, you know, as we were just thinking about this one uh, boy to adopt, I was, you know, I was struggling again. So mm-hmm. as I was able to talk with this one father that had, had done this and adopted, you know, two boys like this, he, he says, look, he said, Daryl, let me just tell you. You know, everyone will look at you. you. You're thinking this yourself and everything. This is crazy. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Whether people say it or not, it's crazy. But here's the response I've I've learned. And I think maybe this will help you too. But it's a good crazy. Mm-hmm. There's, there is a good crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. That just helped me. That helped me to know, okay, 
because let's just call it what it is. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's crazy, but there is a good it's crazy. It's a good crazy. It is. So after your first adoption, when did you start thinking about adoption again? I don't remember, yeah. like, I do. necessarily. I do. You do? Yeah. Okay. This is how it went down. She doesn't <laughs> remember, but I do. <laughs> but I was actually sitting in this chair right over here, and I was, it was a Sunday afternoon, and I was watching golf. And she comes in here and says, hey, why don't we go for a walk? And and we, we live here on the golf course. It was a nice day or whatever. And so I said, okay, okay. let's, so we, you know, we were leaving the kids here and we we're going up for a walk. I, I bet we are, we're like 300 yards up, up the road. And she says, how do you think we're doing? And, you know, I've, I've been married at this point. I've been, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 <laughs> like, years. Uh oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, man. How What's do I, the right I, answer? Trying, how do I answer this? Yeah. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> she said, well, she said, how, I mean, how do you think we're doing? She said, it just seems like to me that everything we're doing is we're just, you know, are we, are the kids in the right place in school? Are we, you know, is our, you know, vacation set? Is our, you know, are you in the right job? All these things. Everything just seems to be, mm-hmm. our energy is about, trying to make everything right and the best and all these other things. And I'm, I'm kind of listening and, and, you know, she's going through this whole thing and she goes, so how do you think we're doing? And I look, you know, and I look at her and I said, I thought we were just going for a walk. Yeah. You know? and, <laughs> and, and then I thought for a moment, I said, well, I don't know. I think you're, I think you're right. I think there's a temptation because what we've gone through as we explained in the whole process, it was years, right. Of, you know, on off and, and then, mm-hmm. you know, all this uh, medical things and, and the adjustment and so on. But then this whole sense, there is this whole idea, at least where we had was let's return to normalcy. Let's return mm-hmm. to, you know, less crazy. Let's mm-hmm. return to, you know, um, you safer. didn't know that crazy but, was going to be normal. Like yeah. that's like going to be your new normal. And let's let's have you know let's let's have you know less chaos. All, mm-hmm. all these different things. Mm-hmm. And and so I said, yeah, I I I think that's where we are. But and then she says to me, she says, yeah, but we, but don't you remember just even a few months ago? I mean, you're just you know you feel like you're you know out on a wire with no net, mm-hmm. right? But God's you know it's it's a very sweet time. Mm-hmm. And she said, so if we know that, that we know that there are millions of kids out there that need help and we have or we kind of been through this once and God's given us, you know, maybe he, this is part of what he's given to us in our calling, then mm. why wouldn't we do it again? Mm. Why? If, because if life is short, eternity is long. Mm. Why wouldn't we do it again? Mm. Yeah. And mm. <laughs> I look at her and I'm like, you've already been looking on the, I know you know, You already you know, have a child picked you know, out. <laughs> your computer, you've already been, she goes, yes, I have. And yeah. she, you'd already found Lucy. Wow. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> when that started. That is amazing. <laughs> oh, Kathy. Mike used to get so frustrated because I, I had this little phrase that I would say to him that we just needed to crank it, meaning kind of exactly what you're talking about, Daryl, that, okay, life is so short. We've seen you know, the suffering out there and what are we doing? And there is the temptation to just make life more comfortable for your kids and for yourself. But he, I would tell him, we we just got to crank it. And he thought we were cranking it. (laughs) 
I mean, after each adoption, I would be like, yeah. I think we need to crank it again. <laughs> we need to crank it. So, level. Yeah. So, so like you, that. yeah. And it, you know, I, I would do the same thing, Kathy, you know, look at these different waiting child websites and just check in. And, um, and actually that's how we connected with several of our kids and then you just start praying for them and praying for a family. Right. And then you realize you're praying for yourself and you're praying for the family. <laughs> yeah. But I would, you know, show the pictures to the kids too, and they would join in and praying. And one thing that was really cool and you, um, is to, you know, once we brought some kids home for them to go through that journey of what it was like to wait, you know, to see the family getting so excited and to start praying for them and then see this miracle of the the process. And so it was really cool to see our kids that we had adopted earlier to join in and start becoming these prayer warriors. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Did you guys experience that with your kids that you had already adopted joining in on, hey, we need to adopt again? <laughs> well, I think the second round with Lucy, I didn't know a lot about spina bifida. <clears throat> so we went in that, I mean, I'd done my research enough once I realized what spina bifida mm -hmm. was, her type, there's so many different types under that umbrella. So we went through that process and adopting her, we didn't really have any experience, but we connected with Boston Children's Hospital and their spina bifida clinic and immediately started in with them and learned a lot. And it wasn't until after Lucy that the organization that we adopted Lucy from called me up and said, hey, would you be open to adopting another girl with spina bifida? Yeah, I mean, we'd be open to it. Do you want to send me our medical form? Well, Daryl was in California at the time and I called him and said, hey, you know, people keep passing by this one girl with spina bifida because they're concerned about certain issues that come with spina bifida. Is that something you're open to? And he said, yeah, let's talk about it. So by the time he came home, we had already decided on number three. Wow. And then Charlie, so Bell, we adopted Bella and brought her back and different type of spina bifida and she had the ability to walk. So it was different and um, she had different issues. But then when we were looking at Charlie, mm. I remember. Well, you thought there was one more. You... Wow. It was yeah. Charlie. She felt like there was. Well, we had this one little boy that we had looked at and he didn't have any arms. And but we had to What's wait the process. His name was Jude. Jude. Oh, and that was... we have a Jude. Yeah. And so Charlie, our Charlie ended up being Jude also, which is kind of crazy. Oh. But so this one family had contacted me and said, we have all our paperwork ready. We saw Jude and really wanted to adopt him, but they said you were waiting for your window of, we had to wait in between to make sure we had the time, a certain number of months in between. And we were waiting. And so I told her, no, go for it. If y'all have all the paperwork, go for it. Mm -hmm. So they adopted Jude. And then later on, Charlie came up and he had, he had no tibias and missing radius in his arm. So we ended up knowing that we were going to have to do the amputation and prosthetics. Mm. We ended up adopting him. But I remember asking Hamilton coming down. He came down for school one morning and I just said, you know, I've just been praying about this little guy. I just wonder if maybe 
you know, this is the, that we should adopt one more time. And um, I remember Hamilton was at the kitchen counter and he's like, well, of course, why wouldn't we? We didn't involve, I don't think we involved our kids as much Mm -hmm. early on for number two and Mm -hmm. for Bella and Lucy, because it was sort of like, we knew what was involved. We didn't Mm -hmm. want to get them too emotionally Mm -hmm. involved until we knew for sure that we were moving forward and it was a possibility. So Mm -hmm. I probably held back, whereas Mm -hmm. you probably did the right thing. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I did. Involved in the whole process. But once they knew, they were all in. And And we took them, we would take all the kids over with us. So the funny thing is we go over to China and they would, they would look thinking at first we were a tour group and they realized, wait a minute, that's just the family. (laughs) They're a family. Yeah. You guys had to make a lot of adjustments, you know, because one of your daughters is in a wheelchair. That is a big change, you know, you have to figure out your car situation. And how did you guys go about that? Was that a big deal or is that something you just kind of did gradually as you brought the children home? We just sort of did it gradually. Mm-hmm. Lucy wears KAFOs, mm-hmm. so up to the top of her thighs and arm crutches mm-hmm. for some of the time, but she's probably getting more wheelchair mobility at this point because issues just come with braces. Yeah. <laughs> So like right now she has a pressure sore, so she hadn't worn them in two weeks. And we go back down Friday to Birmingham to get them adjusted. And But yeah, we have phrases in our house that most people don't. Get mm-hmm. your legs on, take yeah. your legs off, yeah. get your chair in the car, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. roll out to the car and, you know, different things like that. But that's just who we are, yeah. you know, basket full of legs and braces yeah. at yeah. the door and instead of shoes. And, and the car, we ended up getting, yeah, big. And yeah. the passenger van and took out the back mm. seat. Mm-hmm. So it's eight, but we can fit multiple chairs. Chairs in yeah. the back. Yeah. Um, and another thing I wanted to ask you all about it because, you know, I know part of who you are as well as being involved in the generosity movement. And when I think about generosity, you know, in terms of financial generosity and philanthropy, there's a heart generosity behind that. Um, that I think your ministry really targets or focuses on, you know, your mm-hmm. heart and seeking what you were talking about earlier, Daryl, and seeking God's kingdom first. And I think that is also that heart of generosity in your adoptions. I feel like it's related. I wonder yeah. if you could talk a little bit about how you see the relationship between, you know, adoption and generosity. Yeah, I think, you know, I here here's the way I saw it. And I'm so thankful for the experience God's given to us because I, I see it so differently now. And what I mean by that is, is it like just from the outside, I would see, you know, a family adopt and it looks very one dimensional, meaning that, wow, look what this couple did, look what this family did and really help someone that, you know, couldn't help themselves. And so it looks like it's very one way that it's only, you know, there's only this giving piece, but, you know, in the, the, the biblical, you know, understanding the meaning of generosity is there's always it's always giving and receiving mm-hmm. what's what's not necessarily and, until you've you know kind of experienced this in in this realm is literally what the kids give to us mm. and i love this i i can't remember the kathy gave me this one article on it but i love this one phrase the, the way this one woman put it she said you know i didn't i didn't rescue my kids mm-hmm. you know uh, the the kids rescued me I am so thankful and I feel like 
you know, Kathy and I were talking about this morning, we, we don't think about what, you know, the time, effort or money or things like that that we've, you know, expended to create that because it's just like, I mean, it's been over, I, I feel like it's been overwhelming on the others, you know, on the mm. other side that we are the, you know, we're the recipients of it. And it just seems strange, but that's the biblical that's the biblical side, right? You can take five loaves and two fishes and, and do whatever Jesus wants to do. Mm. I mean, in one sense, when, you know, Paul talks about First Timothy 6, you know, 19, he says, you know, to be generous and willing to share because it, in that way that you lay it for yourselves as a treasure for the firm foundation, a, a life that is truly life. Mm. Like we're meant to crank it up. Yeah. <laughs> we're, it's not meant to, it's not meant to play safe because right. as Kathy had said, and she rightly challenged me, you know, uh, life is short, eternity is long. Mm. What's the best use of money? Yeah. What's the best use of our time is investing in things that, that really last. And that's the word of God and the souls of men, mm-hmm. right? The is people, right? And mm. so that's our, I mean, that's our opportunity. Yeah. Mm. If we can see it that way, then, mm. then why wouldn't we? Right. Mm. And so in some ways people were always like, well, are y'all ever going to stop? Mm-hmm. And, it, and at this point, once we had kind of like experienced what we've experienced mm-hmm. and we experienced like, because I think most people, again, see it as it's just only giving this one way. But in no. God's way, he, he's like, there's a refreshment. Mm-hmm. Like we were telling her, I was laughing this morning as mm-hmm. I was dropping the kids off. This mm-hmm. It's fun. Otherwise, yeah. we'd be in this by ourselves with would, a dog. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. No. I think that's the that's the one piece that doesn't, you know, it, it looks very, uh, so I'm saying one dimensional that mm-hmm. we were the givers mm-hmm. and it just kind of stays there when in reality of the way God designed it. Right. And then of course the whole adoption piece in terms of uh, us being adopted as sons and, and daughters mm-hmm. of, of the King, it's just so clear mm-hmm. and it just, it's a dramatic rescue and, mm-hmm. and redemption. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, right. Just this beautiful story. And yeah. so in, in whatever little way that we imitate that, we get a, a you know, kind of this, you know, little glimpse of heaven. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What you said earlier, Daryl, about how it didn't make sense. Kind of you have this finite amount of time or energy and then you look back and you're like, I have no idea how we got through that except by God's grace. And it's sort of similar, I feel like, in now what you're saying is like, you know, you feel like there's a certain amount you give, but you get back so much more. And it doesn't necessarily make sense. Like, but right. that's the way God's economy works. Yeah. Like it kind of continues to multiply mm-hmm. with what we can give, you know, which is what we can give is finite, but then what we get out of it is continues to yeah. kind of be activated right. and there's so much life there. Mm-hmm. And these kids are miracles. I mean, mm-hmm. just the Lord brought each one of our adopted kids into our family kind of after a time of brokenness or just a time of pain. And what was so beautiful is how these kids um, really brought so much healing into our own hearts, into our family. And what you were talking about, learning to receive we were put in positions where we were receiving from our kids mm. and and also just to see the ways that they would persevere. You know, they had lost everything. Mm. And here they they enter into our home and the courage that they showed. And I mean, in real, it, it, what it did was sort of expose our own hearts and the shallowness mm-hmm. and, you know, right. how 
our faith was really, okay, sure. Well, we stepped out in faith, but what it was exposing just where we were at. And so, and the same thing, we just, we can't imagine. We have a lot of teenagers and older kids, and then we have a group of three kind of at the end, and they bring so much joy into our lives. I mean, they all have different needs in different ways, but the way the Lord has knit their hearts together and how they're helping each other and and even just it gives them so much self-esteem, you know, just because right. one of them has a gift where the other doesn't. And it's just this crazy rhythm. And we could have missed out on that. Mm. I'll tell you one funny little story. We went, So we took the, Kathy loves to ski. Mm. And so we were wondering, okay, how do we, you know, how do we, how do we do this? Yeah. But we, you know, so we've taken them skiing a couple of times because there's in park cities, they have this place called the national ability center. Mm. And, and I think some other ski resorts have it too, but like literally whatever, whatever you need to get on the slope, they have. Oh, that's all cool. The and all yeah. these other things. And so, but so Charlie though, wants to uh, snowboard. This is his first time last yeah. year that we took him and he wants to snowboard. We he, put him in a sit ski and he oh, was yeah. all over the place. And yeah. like after round, you know, second or the third time down the mountain, he's like, yeah. I really want to snowboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is hilarious. Yeah. So we got so you know, he's got his prosthetics on, but we put these snow boots on him and he has a suit. You couldn't even tell that he was Yeah. You know, like well, so anyhow, they, they give you an, an instructor and a and, and a volunteer. Mm. So uh, it's it's me and Charlie, the instructor and the, and the volunteer, and it's our first thing. We're going up the going up the lift, and uh, so they they're just trying to get to know Charlie a little bit. So Charlie, you know where are you from? And you know he's and he says I'm from China. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, how long you been here? And he said he looks at me, and I said you you know been here two years. He said, Yeah, my parents came and got me, brought me back here, cut my legs off. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it, he's, he's talking to oh him like this gosh. and he just sits like this and just like like it was nothing I was like, and the ski instructor's right like how do I respond to that yeah, they, they, don't, they didn't know what to say That's either weird. because he was just looking straight ahead like it was just yeah. no big deal and we were right. like I was like I'm like okay well sort of explain to him well we <laughs> yeah. you know, that's sort of the story like, that, it is what happened. Unfortunately, oh it was just like, that is, I told Kathy, he's four. I said, how do you tell them what yeah. we're going to happen? Because he thought when he went in for the surgery, he was going to have new legs. Because oh. we said, we're going to get you legs. And we showed him like videos of, yeah. of people with prosthetics and running and, mm. and doing all these things. And so he, at the time he was running on his knees oh. and dragging. Mm-hmm. He didn't have much mm-hmm. below his knees. But there was nothing to support embracing. Yeah, right. So we knew we had to do like a knee disarticulation. But so it was a double yeah. invitation. But he was. I, I remember one of the saddest things was when you Facetime me and mm-hmm. and he he pulls back the covers and he goes, "Baba, Baba, no legs, no Aww. feet, no, no feet. feet." Yeah, yeah. and it, it was just because it was just it, he just had surgery. And yeah, just all, yeah. It's like he was. You know, what do you tell a four-year-old? Just, yeah. But he is, he is so beyond that. As you guys know, there are days where the needs are so great, you just feel stretched beyond. And so I'm sure you've probably been in those places, (laughs) but what have you, what are some ways that you have found hope or encouragement when you do feel like, okay, our plate 
might be a little too full right now? Well, I, okay. So the answer to that one, I think I had, I wrote down my answers because that's what I do. Yeah. He does but he didn't want to know the questions. I wanted to know the questions. He talked to me. I like you, Kathy. So, I'm with you. In my notebook. Yeah. <laughs> so the hope, I, I would say that in my life, I've seen how the challenges and the hard times have pushed me more towards the Lord, towards his word completely dependent on his sovereignty in my life because I look back at the, um, it reminds me of the illustration when I'm taking a child into surgery as we have done, you know, two major spine surgeries, two leg amputations, you know, hip surgery. hip, two double hip surgeries, multiple cleft lip palate surgeries. You know, every time I walk in there, it reminds me of this illustration that I feel like the Lord showed me at the very beginning was, you know, I needed surgery. I needed healing. I needed those procedures in my heart, just like they need theirs physically. I needed mine spiritually. And, um, it helped me to remember that because it's like, it's not something you choose to go through the challenges and the hard times. And as well as with our adult kids that are all, you know, quote, typical, you know, uh, they all have their challenges. So I needed those procedures on my heart just as much as they do physically. And it just sort of gave me this reassurance that the Lord is there knowing he is the one that's healing me through the challenges Mm. and the struggles. Yeah. And that's such a powerful gift to give to your children when we're all kind of on the same level. We all feel we're feeling broken together, you know, and we're and so to enter in with that brokenness is such a gift to give to your kids. We don't really know what we're doing and we we need the Lord to enable us to do this. And we've got our own issues that the Lord is, you know, working on. I love the way you phrase that just surgery on your heart. We've definitely experienced that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Daryl, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? You know, at this point where we were going all the way back before we'd actually adopted in the in the process when this lady said, you know, if you if you would be willing to take a special needs child, I think I can get the Chinese government to, to do this. And and Kathy had talked with her and she told me that. And I just again it just kind of like real, you know. I went reeling again, and and the thing that just kept going on in my mind was, who chooses brokenness? Mm. I mean, like, who does that? Like, if you have a choice, who chooses brokenness, right? Here's, here's, you know, here's this cup, or I can give you one that doesn't have a bottom on it. Which one do you want to buy? Mm. Well, I, I mean, I want a cup so I can, that will hold a beverage and, right? So, of course, I'm not going to buy that one that doesn't have a bottom on it. And, and so I was like, I mean, I just told her, I'm like, okay. And so this went on for a while. And I was, I was constantly, you know, kind of asking God, you know, who chooses brokenness, who chooses brokenness. And he didn't give me an answer right away. But I remember as another chair, I was sitting in, in my study in this other room here. And he says, are you, are you ready for your answer? Mm. And I said, yes. And he says, I do because I chose you. We really understand the gospel at a different level Mm -hmm. when we realize what 
we have been rescued from, that he chose us not while we were all pretty and kind of cleaned up, but in our complete brokenness and inability to save ourselves, Mm -hmm. he entered in and was pleased with us in that, you know, in that space. And then, and Jesus chose to be broken Mm -hmm. for us, you know, Mm -hmm. so here we are broken and he's choosing to be broken for us to heal us. Mm -hmm. And so there is something in that mystery, I think, of when we choose brokenness, that God is showing us Mm -hmm. something, like you said, about the the depth of a gospel in a new way. His body is broken for you and for me. Uh, I want to just say thank you so much because yes. I feel like just listening to your story, it's a good, crazy story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it's, and it is a loaves and fishes story. It is the story of seeing our own brokenness and then Jesus's brokenness for us that continues to just minister to us mm-hmm. in the daily mm-hmm. um, needs that we have. And so thank you for sharing yeah. your hope with us. And we're so appreciative yeah, well, Thank thanks for the opportunity to yeah. appreciate what y'all are doing. We've got this hope. We've got a future. If you're enjoying our show, please take a moment and help us spread the word. Share about it on social media or leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps people find the show. Adopting Hope is a production of Christianity Today. It was produced by Mike Cosper, Joyce Dalrymple, and Sasha Parker. It was edited and mixed by Alex Carter. Our theme song, We've Got This Hope, was by Ellie Holcomb. We'll be back next week with another story. Thanks for listening.